No name is more synonymous with success than Miami Dolphins owner H. Wayne Heisinga, architect of three Fortune 500 companies, including AutoNation and Blockbuster. This renowned entrepreneur has brought his unique business approach to the classroom with the Heisinga School of Business at Nova Southeastern University. With a faculty of real-world leaders and a curriculum based on Heisinga's entrepreneurial ideals, the Heisinga School of Business offers the rare opportunity to learn the ropes from someone who's climbed their way to the very top. Apply now at nova.edu slash business. Do you own a business outsourcing your accounting? Then call the accounting and tax experts at TNJ Tax Service. For over 30 years, TNJ Tax Service has been preparing taxes for South Florida companies and individuals. As enrolled agents with the Internal Revenue Service, the pros at TNJ Tax Service can represent you or your company professionally to the IRS. Have challenges with your company's bookkeeping? Then call TNJ Tax Services. QuickBooks certified. TNJ Tax Services can provide training on QuickBooks for any small business. If you need monthly or quarterly bookkeeping services to handle all of your payroll and business needs, then you need to call. TNJ Tax Service, located at Taft and Flamingo in the Pillbox Plaza. Call 954-432-1700. 954-432-1700. TNJ Tax Services. Seaboard Marine is an ocean transportation company that provides direct regular service between the United States and the Caribbean Basin, Central and South America. Seaboard Marine's success in the region for nearly 25 years has enabled it to expand into new markets, now serving nearly 40 ports in over 20 countries. Seaboard Marine's facilities include a private terminal of nearly 70 acres at the Port of Miami. Seaboard Marine carries more cargo to and from the Port of Miami than any other carrier. Although this facility complies with and exceeds all governmental security mandates, it operates seven days a week, 365 days a year, a unique convenience for its customers. Seaboard Marine serves these routes from Miami, Bahamas, Grand Cayman, Colombia, Dominican Republic, Eastern Caribbean, Haiti, Jamaica, North Central America, South Central America, Venezuela, and the West Coast of South America, including Peru, Chile, Bolivia. Seaboard Marine, a trade leader in the Western Hemisphere. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. It's South Florida's newest and freshest talk if show. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits? This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. Welcome back. This is uh, Rothman. It's 5.05. It's time that you were on the road because we all know the Miamians hit the road about 3.30, right, Wanda? Yeah. We saw that the other day. Goodness They're gracious. not working after 3.30. This is Miami, for God's sake. Was it even 3.30? And especially tomorrow. It's Friday during the summer. No one works on Friday during the summer. Oh, that's New York. That's right. They leave. They go out to the Hamptons. In the Is it raining? That helps, too. But, but Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That's when the accidents start because they all understand clearly here that when it rains and gets slick and wet, you got to go faster. Oh, is that what it is? Absolutely. Got that's it the now. way. That's, that's the American way. Got it. We do that. We are very fortunate. What a great segue. We were discussing energy and coal. Yeah. And uh, I, you know, I'm really glad that Penny Loeb is here because Penny wrote a book. Penny is a, uh, a reporter and former senior editor at U.S. News and World Report. She's also an investigative report. Was an investigative reporter for Newsday and a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. Yay! That's terrific. But she's also the author of a really good book entitled "Moving Mountains: How One Woman and Her Community Won Justice from Big Coal." Penny, are you there? 
Hi, I'm here. How are you? I'm fine. I really enjoyed your last guest. You like Jeffrey? Yes. Yeah, Jeff's cool. I've known Jeff for about 20-some-odd years, and he's written in a number of different magazines I used to own over the years. He's a great guy. He's very good at what he does, and he really understands and embraces you know, the, the home office you know, concept. Uh, which, I mean, it's a terrific thing to do. And you, certainly with the technology that we have today, we can do that and get away with it. Absolutely. So where are you? What, what part of the world are you in these days? I'm in northern Virginia. Oh, how nice. What a great place to be. Yes, it is. Virginia has to be. I have relatives up there. Virginia is one of the most beautiful states in the Union, I think. It is. I was actually in Miami two weeks ago. Ah, you, you partook in some of the heat and humidity that we have down here. Yes. I know. Wow, we're in the hurricane season. How lucky we are to be here. God, I love it. It's sort of like, you know, uh, it's sort of like a Shirley Jackson short story. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, you remember? Like the lottery. But, you know, she was great with irony, but, you know, lottery, I, you know, we've always had it this way. It's great. This is wonderful. We're going to win, and you win and get killed. <laughs> so, anyway, I am so glad. Let's talk a little bit. First of all, let's frame this out for the audience, because maybe they don't know who who you are, let's give a little bit of background, and, and your background has been in, in you've been big time media. Yes, I have. And and you were working out of Washington, or was that where you were? Out of Washington, yes. For U.S. News, I love U.S. News and World Report, by the way. Oh, good, thank you. Yeah, that was one, of, and is one of my favorite magazines, I, and uh, I'm not getting all the magazines I used to get, uh, for many reasons, the technology's changed, and I, I, I do a lot of reading online starting very early in the morning, but uh, U.S. News and World Report was one that I, I enjoyed, and, and what did you cover for them? Um, I was on the investigative team, so did a whole variety of things from um, um, contamination in the in the nation's blood supply and segregation in special education, and um, then the coal story, which is how the book got started. Was back in '97, I did a, the first national investigative article on mountaintop removal coal mining, and that led directly to the book, um, which then took about eight years to finish, but. Um, it was worth doing for sure. Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, first of all, you know, when when you think about coal, um, you know, I, I come from the Northeast. I'm familiar with Pennsylvania. Right. I've been to Hazleton. My, right. When I was in college at Syracuse, my band played in Hazleton. I remember coal mining, and we played for the coal miners. Tough crowd. My sister lived in Morgantown when her husband did a uh, an internship there. Right. I know it well. And uh, but I got to tell you, well, look. Put aside whether we think going forward with coal is a good idea or a bad idea right now, but coal brings up a lot of negativity in my mind. Mm -hmm. And I don't, want to, I don't want to start out a discussion on a negative way, but obviously I'm leading there. But what is it with coal? I mean, and it's, and it's whole, the whole philosophy where you had, you know, the bank was controlled by the coal miner, the store, the general store was controlled by the coal company, uh, the rent was controlled by the coal. I mean, it's a really all-inclusive um, fiefdom. Right, and, and politics, and, and to some extent, the state of West Virginia still is controlled by coal, um, the legislature. Um, yes, it's, it's, you know, it's not an easy life, and, and, you know, Americans don't realize that. You know, that's, that's what they sentence West Virginia and eastern Kentucky to, but, you know, you know it, 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 bring, it brings to mind, uh, I'm a lit major for many years, and I taught, we've never met, but I taught college English a long time ago. So it means they're like the Morlocks. I mean, it's just sort of like you have the Eloy. Here we are up here enjoying the fruits of the Morlocks' labor. Right. And um, 
And then you have stories like, uh, well, here, let's look at a good one, a more contemporary one. I was going to say Coal Miner's Daughter. That's the most obvious, and a lot of people know that. Sissy Space, a great story. Right. I'm going to really show the controlling uh, of the, the, the life that's controlled by the coal companies. Mm-hmm. And the and the uh, the lung disease and so forth and how poor these people are when you look at the towns in the uh, in Kentucky and Tennessee and obviously Virginia West Virginia, but uh, but North Country is another story that Charlize Theron did recently in the last let's say five years. Right, I saw that. Too. Which you know she picks very interesting stories to take. I, I think I I really applaud the work that she does, and I thought that and that's a true story. Right. At least it's based on a true story. I don't know how much they fictionalized of it, but and can I? So having said that, when you're writing the story and you said it took eight years, which is a long time to write and research a, a, a book, uh, was it ever dangerous? What were you trying to show? What was what was the thesis of the book when you went out there to do it? You know. Well, I was doing um, a book. I was aiming to book, do a book a lot like a civil action. I was very lucky that a, a landmark lawsuit actually grew directly out of my article in that a. Uh, a man from the town of Blair, which was featured in my article, um, walked into a young lawyer's office on the lawyer's first week on on the job. And Cole has been this lawyer's work for for the past nine years now um, since that. Um, so I had the structure of the lawsuit to follow the narrative, but I focused on this woman, Trish Bragg, when you talked about all the, the downsides and, of coal mining and living in coal country. Trish um, MMIs, I can't say the word, um, um, the best that can come out of that in that her husband is a retired disabled coal miner, but she, um, the coal company, the coal mine took her community's water uh, Christmas time of 94 and did not ever take her well, but took all her adjacent neighbors and she and her neighbors find, found out how to go to the regulators and um, use the laws and the regulations and get the coal company to drill new wells, but then a few years later, a um, mountaintop removal mine came behind her, which they'd take off the tops of the mountains, dump them in the hollows, the huge blasts that shake the houses, and she became the named plaintiff in that landmark lawsuit I just mentioned. Mm-hmm. But in the midst of doing all this, um, she um, was in a community group, um, much like the same philosophy um, of the community group that Barack Obama worked with um, when he first started out there in Chicago. And it, you know, it taught the people in southern West Virginia how to stand up and go to the legislature and demand new laws, which they got. And so she was empowered, and she went to college in her late 30s, graduated summa cum laude, um, got a full-time job, managed to save the money to build the new house they never thought they'd have, but they stayed right in the same hollow. And so she never left her community that she's so committed to. Um, and by what she did and the lawsuit, um, mining has actually improved down there. And it's not the dismal, you know, what we know of from 20 years ago. And they're also bringing in other industries, which was the whole point when they passed the law that allowed mountaintop removal 30, 31 years ago now. Um, and they were supposed to use the flat mountains to bring in, um, you know, whatever industry. Um, now they have a huge wood flooring plant, like one of the largest in the nation up there, and they've got an airport and a FedEx terminal and highways coming, and, and they're really trying hard to, to bring it into the modern world down there.
Can I ask you a question? Sure. When you're talking about mountaintop removal, I mean, a lot of people listening would have a problem even comprehending. How do you remove a mountaintop and get away? I mean, it's like, hey, Bob, I got an idea. Listen, why don't we just take, you, you know, Hillcrest Mountain up there? Let's just take the top off. Yeah. They'll never know. What I, we'll just tell them we're fixing it. I mean, how do you do this? I mean, how did, what, what's the rationale behind that? Well, it's because they want to get the thin seams of coal that they can't go. They can't send a man into coal that's, I don't know, a foot or two foot deep. So it's coal lies in the mountains, like like the frosting in, in a layer cake. Yeah, I understand that. So they take it. They take the. So they strip it off. Is what you're saying? They they strip it off. They blast it off, and they get that coal. And it's the only way to get that coal. They say. I suppose they could use lasers or something you know, in the future maybe <laughs> that's a that's a that's a star warsian thing wait a minute i don't know about that but but i understand i mean somebody had to see the horror of that because i know what strip mining looks like in pennsylvania i know what it looks like out west yeah, and well, it leaves a, a a mini grand canyon yeah well what happened was they have huge machines to do to do this. I mean, the thing called a drag line, which is just a big shovel, is 20 stories high. No, I saw that on Mega Movers or something on Discovery Channel. It was like, yeah, this is the biggest, you know, truck in the world. And the dump trucks, but they when they passed the law, they thought that this would be an isolated incident in, incidents, um, because they never thought they could get those machines down West Virginia's narrow, narrow, incredibly twisty, turny roads. And what happened was they uh, two things happened in the 80s. The state had a a business incentive um, program, so, um, tax breaks. So they used those tax breaks to buy the equipment, and then they took it apart and they brought it down in pieces. Um, and I suppose you know occasionally they might helicopter in some pieces, and then they rebuild it on the mines. So the machines are all there. Um, and so they require them to restore the land, and that's one of the things that came out of the lawsuit. They are regrowing hardwood forests, but we're talking 500 square miles just in West Virginia. That's a lot of miles. It's a lot of miles. That's a lot of acreage. And if you fly over it, you know, as I did in the beginning, it's just an astounding sight. Um, so, though, but the, but there are more insidious things as a result of that. I mean, people say, well, all right, you took it off, and but but things, for example, the floods of 2001 and 03. Right. You know, I mean, you yeah. talk about that too, and you. I mean, I've researched a little bit of this about you. Yeah. And and people suffered for years, not just because the mountain was missing, but because the mountain was missing. Check off the following that can occur. The following yeah. disasters can occur. Maybe we should talk a, a tad about that. Oh, yes, definitely. I mean, flooding is the worst, and, and yes, thanks to one really aggressive um, mining director for the state, they did they did change the design. Actually, with all this rain, although we West Virginia has not gotten hit like the Midwest, there's not been a significant flood, thank God. But, I mean, there's still a tremendous possibility of, of flooding because there's all this barren land and barren hillsides. Um, the blasting, you know, the shaking the houses, damaging the houses, um, and, you know, eliminating whole communities. Well, can I ask you a question? I know that in construction, and I've been, my family did construction years ago down here, and we did some blasting when we were prepping the land, but there are some pretty strict rules on blasting down here. I mean, if it can be felt at certain X distance, then then you can't do it. I mean, you they, they really fight you on this down here. But why wasn't it that way? Was there so much corruption in the government that they allowed, you know, sort of a carte blanche? 
for the government, for the uh, for the corporations, that is. Hello. No, I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Uh, was it a, was it a free for all? In other words, what I'm trying to say is, how did these companies get away with blasting and hurting the the folks' homes, the individuals' homes? Because, um, partly because they they the regulations and the the limits on them aren't perfect. And there was a, a big lawsuit about 10 years ago where they've been the um, chairman of the engineering department at the University of Missouri, and he proved that. Um, but they're still they're they're doing a better job now and better training of the blasters. But they, it, you have to be very sophisticated because every different terrain causes blasts to act differently. Sure. And they weren't they weren't adjusting for that. And um, yeah, sure, it's you know the coal companies was a Republican governor for um, eight years, and um, up till 2000, and sure, the coal companies had a lot of control. So, so let me ask you a question now. Now that book's been out for a number of years. No, it's just for a year. Less than so for a year. For a year. Less, less than a year. Less than a year. Yeah. And uh, good reception. Good reception. Yeah, just won a nice award um, for independent and university publishers um, books. Um, uh, it won uh, the bronze award for environmental coverage, which was very nice. It was awarded at Book Expo. Um, so yeah, yeah, good reception. So let me ask you a quickie question then. When, sure. when people are talking about coal these days, and they're saying, well, you know, coal should be in the mix. Right. We have more coal here than the Mideast has oil or whatever the thing is that they say. Uh, how do you respond to that? And where do you come in on this whole debate? Well, it's, it's tough because everyone's focusing on clean coal because the big issue is CO2 emissions. Right, of course. And so there's going to be so much emphasis on whether they can get clean coal, whether they can sequester the carbon. Um, when they burn it, that the communities are still sort of falling by the wayside. The community impacts. There's a you know a lot of I wouldn't say a lot of maybe a hundred or a couple hundred young people that work down there during the summers, and they have you know kind of like Greenpeace activism. But it's paling. I mean, Barack Obama went in there and he said just like Senator Rockefeller said that this is the Saudi Arabia of coal, and they see it as you know, one provide electricity, but also a coal to liquids, which, right. which the West Virginia governor has said he wants five plants to do that, and they're going full speed ahead on that, which means more coal mining. But do you think that it can be controlled? That, that's, that's, I mean, I think we're going to have to use our resources, but... We have to, we have to use the coal, and um, yes, but it takes aggressive citizens like Trish, and it takes good regulators and, and tough lawyers. It's it's going to be a never-ending battle. I think there have been improvements. I think the lawsuits have really forced the coal companies and um, Massey, which is the biggest one in West Virginia, forget if it's the fourth or the biggest in the country. Anyway, they've said they're you know they're opening like I would say one mine a week, but very quick, very many. And but they're saying we're focusing on deep mines because the courts actually may eventually shut down or severely limit mountaintop removal. You know, and, and deep mines are more dangerous, unfortunately. Well, that's where the accidents occur. Yep. That's... Those explosions, and then everyone watches the sadness of yep. of the faces. It's it's really uh, very horrible to watch these things happen, and it always seems to happen to the most horrible. You know, the people who work the hardest mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> and provide the most to the for the multitudes just pay the ultimate price, and it it just saddens me. What are you working on now? 
I'm, I'm hoping to do a book on cellulosic ethanol because it fascin- fascinates me. Um, so much is happening there, much quicker than they expected. Not corn ethanol. This is. Um, yes, we know. Just you know, what do you we're against corn ethanol. We we've been energy is important to the show. It's my mantra. Right. We've been doing this way before this started getting to be in vogue. That's great. But we have a couple of folks that come on. Wanda, George is one coming on next week. Next week, along with Brian. You know, Penny should listen to that. You oh, have yes. to listen to this because George, he has 19 patents. He's he's very well known in the business. He's at Florida International University, but he spent 19 years uh, working in the industry itself in the private sector. He's uh, well-known individual, George Philippidus. Uh, okay. He went to our website. And we've been talking for a long time about the, the, uh, the ethanol situation, but cellular ethanol, cellular that comes from sugar cane or the stalks of sugar cane, and other products, including a couple of nuts that are out there. Uh, right. You know, that, that, are, that have 10 times per acre, 10 times the energy uh, con- uh, uh, release that you would have on, on an acre of corn. And we went the wrong way in this country. That was a big mistake. Yeah, but they they always said they say that corn is supposed to be the bridge to cellulose to ethanol because they haven't perfected the enzymes to break down the woody fibers yet. Well, maybe we haven't, but Brazil sure has all done it. Yes. I mean, they've yes. been doing it. You see, they stayed focused for 30 years, and I guess Archer Daniel Midland didn't didn't have their plans down there. See, I'm under the impression that Arthur Daniel Midland and Brinkley be turning over in his grave. That uh, you know they pushed very heavily because look what they owned in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. So I felt those guys did really well. You know I didn't have their stock, but I'm sure someone did really well on that. But it's screwing everything else out there right now. That's for sure. I know. You know, so you're going to write about that. That's. Let me ask you a question. Sure. Was it dangerous ever when you were writing your book? Because the coal people aren't the nicest people in the world. I don't think. No, only one time did someone try to intimidate me, and I, you know. People can be scared going up the halls in West Virginia, but I wasn't scared. No, never. I, I know it sounds... sounds no, they teach strange. you that in J school, I'm sure. <laughs> you know, they, don't forget, they're not going to hurt you. You know, just show, keep your head up high and don't worry about it. And those who do this well get the Pulitzer Prize and don't forget you need to get that. So get up there and just look them in the eye and spit in the ground and just say, hey, I'm one of you. And I can... <laughs> I understand, but I got to tell you, I ran out of Hazleton once. We were told, this is going back to the beginning of this conversation, but we played in Hazleton for a week. Of all the time, and we were long-haired freaks from upstate New York, and we're playing in this band in Hazleton. It's cold, it's cold, it's cold country, and yeah. it's the annual Firemen's Convention is being held in Hazleton. Oh, my God, that's the antithesis of these Northeast-educated liberals in a band playing British music, okay? <laughs> so we're there, and then a guy comes to us after we're paid in cash, by the way, and we're playing at the uh, Tropicana is the name of the, the, the bar. I remember that now. And the guy said, and by the way, I just want you to know you ought to pack really quick because the rumor is that they pay you in cash, and on the way out they pull you over and they beat you up and take the money back. <laughs> and I'm this Jewish kid from New York City, you know, this little Jewish. And I'm saying, all right, this doesn't really work well. You know, I don't think so. That was my last reaction. That was the last time I was in Hazleton, 3 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. And that was the end of it for me. But uh, So I understand the intimidation. But you know what? I've been in, in, in journalism. I've, I've been in the magazine business since 1976, and I work with a lot of folks who went to J school. My partners were in, you know, went to school, and uh, you know there is an attitude that you have. I'll tell you that. You know that you just get out there and you do your job, and so um, so. All right. So have you started working on that book? And then we have about 30 seconds. Are you still work? Are you working on that book now? I am working on the book now. Yes. Oh wow. So you're going to go to Brazil? Um. 
Possibly, possibly. I'm more interested in the kind of the, the startups around here. Uh huh. Because um, there, there's a lot going. There's it's going on all all over the country. Well, listen, I want to thank you for being on the show. We appreciate oh, okay. it. Well, thank you. It's this a great is terrific. Show. We're going to get back to you because we're going to talk about what's happening with coal and oil drilling and stuff like that. And I'm sure you're going to have something to say about it, and particularly when it comes to ethanol. We're going to get back to you. Try and listen to the show next week. I will. Because I will. We're, we're in, this is what we're doing next week. And uh, catch it at 1360wkat.com or the com. That's where you should find us. Okay. And we'll I tell will. you all about it. Hey, Penny, thanks so much. Stay thank well. Bye-bye. Look forward to the second book. Bye-bye. Wanda. Yeah. You know, I, I was very intrigued with that conversation yeah. because Penny, as much as she's learned about the coal environment, she's still she's not anti-coal. She she made the comment mm-hmm. we're going to have to use it, but the question is how do we use it? Oh, how do we not hurt people in using it? Because you know what, there is a lot of energy there. It can help us. It can get us to, you know, this bridge that we're building. And she used the word bridge as well to the future. And as Jeff and I and you were talking about, Saudi that's Arabia. The way Saudi Arabia. That's where the that's where they're all going for a big meeting, a one day meeting tomorrow. Oh yeah. The Arabians are saying that hey, you know, we're raising production and yet price is going up. Let me think why. Oh, that's called speculation. <laughs> that's right. It has nothing to do with supply and demand. Right. It has a lot to do with the folks sitting in the commodities exchange and selling these uh, short term and long term contracts. Do we have Belinda on the phone? Next. Belinda Kaiser is there. Hello, Rich. How are you? Hey, Belinda. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. Well, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. I've, I've never spoken to somebody who's a university or college is named after their family. I, I just want you to know that. Quite exciting. This is new. I went to a place called Syracuse. I never knew a guy named Bobby Syracuse. I just didn't, you know, Syracuse maybe, but never that. Never that. But uh, but first of all, let, let me explain that we've been we've been having conversations going back to the start of the show of successful women in business. And it's very important to me, uh, as I worked and I was part of this Title IX program going back to the 70s when I was teaching college. And, uh, and I'm very, very concerned and very intrigued by the, the success or the, the, the challenges that women face trying to be very successful in this country. Uh, around the world for that matter, but we'll, we'll just try and stick with this country for this, for this time being. So with the two minutes that are left, then we have to have a commercial and we'll come back. Let's talk a little bit, Belinda, because, yeah, I mean, when I start looking at all the things that you've accomplished that you're on, I mean, the list is outrageous. I don't even know how you have time to do your job. <laughs> I mean, really, you have won a ton of awards. You're on so many government committees. Uh, you're runners up. You're, you've won things. I mean, I mean, how do you, how do you find the time to do this? Let me ask you a quickie question. How did you make the how did you make the decision that you want to get involved in the business world? What was the one thing that pushed you there? An interest to contribute to other people's lives, especially through education. Um, my parents are both university professors, and um, it, it's just something that inspires me. And then when you were in college, you studied business. I have an MBA, but my right, undergraduate degree was in communications. Okay, and uh, and you went to Nova for a while. I did. You know, I taught there. Uh, I didn't teach there, but actually, oh, you taught there. I taught there. I taught there in the 70s. Well, they've grown a lot. No kidding. I was at the campus. They're one of our sponsors, but Randy Pullman over at the uh, business school, Joe Pineda at the business school, 
uh, good friends, and I went up there, and I, and I said, I can't believe what's happened to this place. Because when I was here, I had like four buildings, and you could still see the old runway from the 1940s. I mean, it was really a different ball game. Oh, absolutely. They've done a great job. They're so entrepreneurial, and I credit them with uh, just the common sense approach of bringing education to the students. So I, I think you're very right. And first of all, education to me is a catalyst to everything anyway. So when you say that it was education that, you know, really sparked you to move you and, and do something different with your life, I think that's terrific. And then to find out you, you devote your life to education beyond that uh, is really wonderful. Listen, we're going to take a break. We've got to make a buck. Then we're going to be back. And you know what? The show is yours. We're going to talk all about you and, and the, some of the projects that you're involved in. Uh, this is Rich Rothman. We have Belinda Kaiser on the uh, phone with us on 1360 WKAT. We're going to be right back. Don't go anywhere. If you'd like to improve and advance your business career and gain insight into developing top leadership qualities, then you need to register for the Skills for Effective Management program at Florida International University. This two-day program, which runs July 14th through July 15th, teaches leaders and prospective leaders how to foster a collaborative, team-based business. It will help you develop effective skills and strategies that are essential for personal and organizational success. You will gain essential management communication skills, creative problem-solving strategies, negotiating tactics to help optimize outcomes and new methods for enhancing how your employees interact, especially in a team environment. Don't miss out on this opportunity to build on your career. To enroll for FIU Skills for Effective Management Program starting July 14th, please call 305-348-4217. That's 305-348-4217 at Florida International University. Call them for more details or registration. Pizza Fusion, America's greenest restaurant, is now open in Weston, saving the earth one pizza at a time. Pizza Fusion serves a gourmet and organic menu of pizza, focaccia sandwiches, wraps, desserts, beer, and wine. All Pizza Fusion items are served in their purest form, untainted by the artificial additives such as sweeteners, pesticides, preservatives, and hormones. Enjoy our fresh salads, breads, dips, wraps, and pizzas. All mates order upon your requests with specialty toppings like goat cheese, Key West shrimp, wild lobster, spinach, eggplant, feta cheese, and more. It's all organic, natural, and delicious at Pizza Fusion. Come in today to Pizza Fusion at 2378 Weston Road in Weston and build your own pizza. Call 954-641-5353 for more information. Pizza Fusion in Weston. Saving the earth one pizza at a time. The Port of Miami is the second largest economic engine in our community, providing an annual economic base of just over $16 billion and over 100,000 jobs. These are high-paying, in-demand jobs, very much coveted by other cities and ports throughout the Americas. We're fortunate to have this business. And of that $16 billion, international trade and cargo at the port accounts for over $13 billion per year, a significant fact as well as a significant economic impact for all of us. The Port of Miami, working to enhance and contribute to the economic economic success of our county, further reinforcing Miami and South Florida as the gateway to the Americas. A new terminal that is larger than some mid-sized U.S. airports. The new Miami International Airport. A new 350-space ground-level short-term parking lot. The new Miami International Airport. The only U.S. airport with sleep pods. The new Miami International Airport. 
the international gateway to the Americas with more flights to South America than all U.S. airports combined. The new Miami International Airport. And coming soon, 61 new retail and food shops to add to your airport's savoir-faire. Come experience the new Miami International Airport and watch us move towards the future. The new Miami International Airport. You know where I'm spending my next romantic evening out with my wife? At Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Maybe we'll start the evening with a five-star dinner at the newly opened Fontana Ristorante, enjoying their authentic Italian cuisine prepared by renowned chef Gaetano Accione. Or perhaps we'll dine at the acclaimed Palm d'Or restaurant. Zagat called Palm d'Or one of the best restaurants in the country. South Florida's best restaurants are at the Biltmore Carl Gables Miami. On Thursday after dinner, we could really enjoy Biltmore Unplugged. Live jazz music poolside at the Cascade Bar and Grill. Fine food and live jazz is awaiting your next romantic evening at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. Visit www.biltmorehotel.com for more information or call them at 1-800-747-1926 for reservations. The perfect night out is at Biltmore Carl Gables Miami, a golf and spa resort. No one covers local, national, and world news like Rich Rothman. And no one covers local, national, and world shipping like DHL. DHL. Customer service is back in shipping. Your news. Your entertainment. Your business. Life moves pretty fast. You don't stop and look around once in a while. You could miss it. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT. What are we listening to? Peggy Lee. Peggy Lee. Uh-huh. It's the doodling song. You know, I got to... How do yeah. we ever get to Peggy Lee today? I, that know, is amazing. I just occasionally hear stuff that I just want to hear again. Wherever you went to lunch today, don't go tomorrow. <laughs> That's all I've got to say. You don't like the doodling song? I don't know. Right. I don't know. I just said... Uh, hi, nice Belinda. Thing. Hi, Rich. <laughs> Listen, I guess while we're at the at the break, I just I just went through a couple of things. I want the audience to hear this. Or a bunch of quick bullet points. All right, here we go. <laughs> Vice Chancellor of Community Relations and Student Advancement for Kaiser University. Okay, you are responsible for community outreach programs, public relations, and government affairs. However, you're also involved as the coordinator of the Broward Lawyers Care (BLC). The pro bono program of the Broward County Bar Association. Also in 2006, I mean, I don't know how you have time to breathe. Vice Chair of the Board of Directors for the Workforce of America, uh, at Florida Inc., a position stemming from her 2005 Governor Jeb Bush. By the way, I know Jeb, he's great. He Appointment. Really is. Oh, I got love him. As member of the Board of Directors. All right, but. Kaiser also served as chair of the Broward Days, 2003-2004. We know how much fun that is. God, I love Tallahassee. And co-chair of Broward Days, 2005, a 600-member nonprofit, nonpartisan organization. But in 2004, Ms. Kaiser was selected by the Florida Commission of Education, Jim Horn, nice guy, to serve on the lieutenant governor's career education study task force. I mean, oh, my, I'm going to run out of yellow ink. As a former executive board, the vice chair of legislative affairs, the workforce development, Kaiser's efforts supported legislation and invest in developing a well-trained for. Well, God bless you for that, because we need it. But she's not done with that. She also sat on the board of directors of the Florida Association of Post-Secondary Schools and Colleges for a full year. Wasn't finished with that. You're also appointed to the Florida Commission of Education to the two K through 20. K through 20. I guess that's post-college. Right, post-secondary. Post yeah, 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 because yeah, I was certified to teach uh, uh, postgraduate. A uh, partnership committee to effectively address the state's teacher shortage. 
God bless you for that one. In July 2001, the state Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court, appointed her to the 17th Circuit Unlicensed Practice of Law. First of all, do you ever, do you just eat sandwiches on the run or what? <laughs> or you go to a heck of a lot of functions, you're eating a lot of phlegmatic chicken, because I've been to that route. Well, <laughs> well, let me just say I have a great team. I mean, I've got pages of this, Melinda. So, oh, my God. First of all, thank you for being on the show, because I know you have at least four other meetings coming up at the same time. You know, listen, I can think of the movie, you know, Multiplicity, where this guy, that you know, clones himself over and over again. Belinda, how do you keep this in order? At the same time, you work with, with your husband, or Arthur Kaiser, uh, at, at, at the university. I, I, this is unbelievable. Well, how do you do this? How do you manage this? Uh, it, it's very possible when you have a great team. When you have a great team and a support system and you have a drive to accomplish these things and you're given the opportunity. It really, it, um, a lot of people support me, help out. It's, it's very possible. And, 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 and where do you spend, you know, where do you spend a lot of your time? I know you go up to Tallahassee because I, I spoke to Kelly once and you were in Tallahassee. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about Kaiser College and, and where it's located now because I know it started on Oakland Park Boulevard. A long time ago. We did. We actually started over 30 years ago in 1977 with one student, Oakland Park Boulevard. So Fort Lauderdale's our home. Um, and today, Rich, we have 14 different locations, uh, one which is online, but we are campus-based with uh, 12,500 students and 2,200 people that we call our team. 12,500. And where does Arthur Kaiser, Dr. Kaiser, keep his office? Here in Fort Lauderdale. So he's down here. He he is, and actually we have uh, our our office of the chancellor is based at the home campus, which is here in Fort Lauderdale, and each of us has a different area. Mine is, of course, government relations, media relations, community outreach, charitable giving. Yeah, that's that's obvious. I mean, look at the stuff you're on that relates to that. But what what can people study at Kaiser? And then I want to get back to you. What can people study at Kaiser? Well, Rich, we offer 50 different degrees, two-year associate degrees, four-year bachelor's degrees, and master's degrees. And the emphasis are, are, are generally in business, allied health, like nursing, uh, biotech, uh, radiology, IT, culinary, um, legal, legal careers. So altogether, there are 15 different, 50 different degrees. And, and, and I would think that, uh, Right now, I mean, you're talking about technology. We just had a con we have a full-time uh, reporter on the show, Jeff Zabar, who writes, been writing for 20 some odd years down here in South Florida. I would think that that's got to be a terrific opportunity. So what you're saying, what I'm hearing from you, is that Kaiser College has really kept abreast of what's happening in the real world. Yes, in fact, that's really important to us. When we opened our doors, and, and again, we started with just one student, um, part of our mission is to stay in touch with the changes, to be innovative, and to be in touch with not only the careers that will provide people an opportunity today, but also into the future. And so we have a 1,000 different advisory committees, uh, members of our advisory committees that look at our curriculum and at curricula and make suggestions in terms of changes that will help our students be more competitive. Okay, so, um, I mean, I have to say, this is an incredible achievement, because, I mean... I, Thank you. Uh, no, it's just a tremendous... I, I can imagine, and my family said to me, and said to my sister, my sister was in, in education, too, and she studied in upstate New York at the State University of New York at Cortland, and then she got her master's, and then she went beyond that at NYU in, in Manhattan. And, um, you know, my, my mother kept saying, you have to teach. This is going to be great. You're going to have to teach. 
and and they wanted me to teach, you know, and 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 my aunt Sophie wanted me. Everyone, every one of these depression babies wanted me to, you know, teach. This is the best. So I went out and I, mean, I was supposed to be an attorney, but that's another whole conversation. Vietnam got in the way. But so I wound up teaching. But your husband went out not just teaching. It's like, let me think. I'm going to start a college. I think I'm going to start. Not only am I going to teach, I'm going to start a college. That I don't think the average human being can do that. I mean, that's that's an, a yeoman's amount of work to do that. I, I would imagine that's just very difficult to do. It's been an exciting journey. What I can tell you is that as the economy is changing, I mean, years ago, um, when we would go out to high schools, you would hear that everyone goes on and gets their back bachelor baccalaureate degree. But Absolutely. You know, Rich, that that's not always the case. And one of the things that I think is really important is we really focus on skill develop, development as well as the academics because if your mom was telling you to teach, she was thinking you're always going to have a job. And more and more you're seeing families that are looking at what they can do to prepare their son or daughter to really go out and, and get a career, you know, whether that's nursing, whether it's biotech, but more and more it's important to make sure that you have skill sets that, are, that allow you to compete that provide the base for you to get out and get a good job. Well, since you you're a liaison for the universe, for the college, I mean you're out there with the government, and I presume you're also dealing with the private sector. Sure. What sort of relationships? I know Randy, for example, since we both know Randy well, Randy Pullman. Right. I know Randy's group. That's one of the things I think that uh, Nova really excels at. They are very well connected into the private sector, of of our community and in other places. Um, and, and how has that been important for you, and how does that play out with what you do? Because I think you're the front person for that. Well, in many different ways. Uh, first of all, one of the things we do on a regular basis is we uh, meet with our employers, but also through our advisory committees, we talk with them about what are the changes in the field. For example, we started our biotech program when we saw that Scripps was coming in and Torrey Pines to Port St. Lucie. So the business community, the private community, actually will, will share with you some of the things that, that they're doing that are innovative and where they see the greatest need. So on a regular basis, as I said, through advisory committees, we seek their advice. Another thing we do is we do a, a lot of contract training. We're working with C-Ray Corporation, providing on-site training to help them achieve business degrees because they're looking to, to raise the level of expertise and educational credentials they have for their, their staff. And this is something we do on a regular basis. Well, this is, this is terrific. Um, when when you're, you just mentioned something about scripts. Now, we, we've had conversations about that, and, and, and uh, in, in my past, in the magazines that I've owned, we've written about it. This is very important. The, the educational community, the, the structure of that in a community, really defines the success of the community. Having scripts come here amalgamates those factions in the community to go to another level. So are are you are you now that's going to be up in, in Palm Beach County. Now are are you somehow are you integrated into that? So uh, some programs will be involved in that, or some research will be involved in that. Is there anything happening in that connectivity there? There is there a connection there? Well, what what we obviously by starting the biotech program that is uh, that is a way to fill the need. But we also right. believe that there will be. Um, ancillary types of jobs, whether they be lab tech or research oriented. Um, allied Health is, is our, we just found out that we are the largest producer of Allied Health degree uh, professionals in the country. And that was published in the Community College Weekly. We're the third largest provider of criminal ju justice and security associate degree holders um, and the ninth largest producer of Allied Health degrees in the iTech field. Um, that's not to mention our baccalaureate 
affiliate degrees. But again, your point is is um, really where we place our emphasis in terms of making sure that we are answering the economic and workforce needs of our particular communities. So in the 13 locations you'll see where we have Kaiser Universities, we make it our business to find out what are the biggest demands in terms of the workforce needs, what are the growing industries, and where will our students find a home and also competitive salaries. Do you work hard in trying to find jobs for your students when they're graduating? Oh, we absolutely do. I mean, this is really a shared responsibility, as you know, uh, Rich, but we do. Um, in fact, we track our placement rates, and we're happy to say that overall we're at a 95% placement rate on 89% wow. field. But let me, let me, let me, let me, that's terrific. I mean, that's just wonderful because I think it's very important. I know when I was, when I was graduating, uh, I had a group that, at the university level that helped me move forward with my career. That's great. But well, let me ask you about you for a second, Belinda. And you're all over the place. I mean, you're all over the landscape. You must have great frequent flyer miles. Of course, you can't use them in this day and age because every time you try to get them, they tell you the seats are sold out. I mean, that's a fact. That's what happens. I, I, I threaten people at Delta. They say, well, I see you have 18 seats left in business class. Why can't I get it? Well, they're sold out. And I don't understand that. But where does Belinda like to be? Where, let's talk about you for a second. You're working hard. You're involved in, in the communities. I mean, you're north, you're mid, mid-state, you're southern part of the state. You, you, you're involved in, I don't want to call it the family business, but you're involved in the family college. which is in, But where does, where's Belinda? Where, where does Belinda fit into all of this, and where do you get the most you know, payback to you? Where do you really enjoy it the most? I love graduation. I love to see our students graduate. I love to see them with their with their families. I love to see their smiles on their faces and to know that in some way we were able to inspire them to develop their unique talents and skills. I mean, I absolutely love graduation. Uh, do you stay in touch with any of your graduates, you personally? Absolutely. No names, but, do you, but just do you graduate. Well, Terry Prezzamello, actually, uh, Terry was our first student. She walked in our doors over 30 years ago. She's had an incredible career, Rich. Um, she started in the medical assisting program. She went on to nursing. She's worked um, with hospitals. She's worked in management positions. She also worked for Xerox Corporation. She's come back to be a teacher. Oh, so she's on the staff now. She is. And we also have, uh, we have a $13 million Excuse me, it's, it's $12 million scholarship program. And what I can share with you is that when we celebrated our 25th anniversary, we actually um, contributed another million to the scholarship program, and we had uh, several members of the armed services, one in particular that was serving in the Coast Guard, um, who received the scholarship. So um, for the most part, we know a lot of our students, and certainly our faculty um, knows them well. And uh, do you ever teach courses? I don't. You don't? You don't have time for that? <laughs> you know, I, I'm handling some of the other areas, and, and we've got some great faculty do, who do a great job. Actually, my husband has taught a course, though. What does he like to teach? Um, he's a history major, and he's uh, taught history at one point. Well, that, but he, I, you know, I would imagine running a college takes up a lot of, uh, a lot of time. Certainly does. You know, I, I would I would think that. What about personal life? Do you folks have family down here? We sure do. You have children. We have one wonderful son. And and is he involved in the college or is he out out of the college? Well, at 18 years old, he's headed to uh, to uh, GW in Washington. So uh, we'll see what he wants to do. I really believe in a person. A person should follow their dreams. You know, the one thing I got out of out of New York State that that, that stays with me is that when um, Governor Rockefeller. 
uh, Nelson Rockefeller put together the State University System of New York back in long, long time ago, 50s, 60s. And uh, he patterned it after the uh, state of California. And the motto they came up with, let each become all you're capable of being. Let each become all he is capable, well, kind of a sexist, he is capable of being, which is great for me. And, and it would seem that, you know, I mean, Arthur Kaiser and Belinda Kaiser, I mean, it seems like you really put people on a path to, if they can understand their mission in life, uh, then you put them on a path that they can, you know, self-actualize that to a degree. Absolutely believe that. And, you know, Rich, it's becoming more and more important because I'm sure that you've seen the budget cuts this year. Horrible. You know, we're looking at it, and um, a recent statistic, they said by 2012, um, the, to meet the post-secondary ed needs of Florida, we need $8.1 billion, and that roughly 40,000 to 60,000 students won't have access to the state university system. And that's a role that we can play. We can play by providing them. We have the same accreditation as the state university system. The difference is, of course, they offer PhDs, and we offer the master's degree level, and that's part of our long-term plan is also to offer a PhD program, but it's really important for students to have a choice and to be able to select an institution that meets their needs and to be able to really, as I said before, pursue their dreams uh, not only for their education but for their lives, and that's what we believe we provide. So where do you see yourself in five years from now, Belinda? Where's Belinda going to be in five years from now? You've done where, a lot. Where will I, I mean, be rich or will the You school? sound very young. i got to tell you, I don't, know, I don't want to know your age, but you sound very young. You're very aggressive. You're very successful. You're on umpteen number of committees. But where does Belinda want to be in five years? Where do you want to be? Member of the state legislature or Congress. Oh, I see. Now we got it. Okay. <laughs> this is good. All right, so Belinda declares on WKAT. That's the bottom line. Well, in five years, Rich. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrific. I have to meet you. One of these days, I'm, we're going to get together. I love that. It, it, where's, your off, where's your office? Where do you work out of? The, the home campus is on Commercial Boulevard. So, All right, so you're there. In Fort Lauderdale, yes. All right, so one of these days, we're going to have to come up there and visit. Please do. And we'll see you. But listen, thank you. Belinda, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, just terrific listening to you, and, and I'm so pr honored to have you here because you, you've accomplished so much. Well, thank you, Rich. I really do enjoy helping people, and um, you'll find at Kaiser University um, that that's what we're really about. So thank you so much. Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. Take care. Take care. Bye. Well, Wanda, this yes. lady's all over the landscape. I know. I mean, I don't, really, I don't know how she has time to stay focused on I'm curious when stuff. she sees her husband. She never sees Arthur. Arthur's busy matriculating. Okay. Yeah, well, he's matriculating. They're going on. They're teaching kids and adults, getting them involved in the community. That's and exciting. Starting university but, or but, college. But did you see that list? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm almost making fun of it, but I'm not making fun of it. When you see the stuff that Belinda Kaiser has achieved, i got to tell you kids out there, this is an incredible human being. Yeah. I mean, all over the place. Straight to Congress. Well, it's not easy because I know when you're involved in all this pro, and this is pro bono. You don't make money on this stuff. You know, you're out there, you're functioning, you're trying to help either the K through graduate school group, or you're trying to help the workforce of Florida, which encompasses all the adults and people getting into the workforce. Yeah. You're involved with the government's council. You're involved with the legal society. I mean, oh my God. It wasn't it's, easy getting her. Let me tell you that. No, and <laughs> and so obviously she hasn't. And, and I meant to get to this question, and darn it, I didn't get to it. I have to send her an email. But I don't think she met that glass obstacle, you know, the, the, uh, the glass ceiling. Glass ceiling, rather. Yes. I, I thank you so much, Wanda. Sure. Because it's, it's my arm hurts. It really hurts. Stop moving it. All oh, right. 
she has a, she broke through that but I don't seeing what she's done she must be an incredible person uh, to get stay focused and, and just yeah. achieve everything I'm really glad thanks for getting her on the show that was great sure. well, that I was a goodie Kelly. I like to thank Kelly. that was a real goodie well listen uh, let's just frame that a little bit tomorrow we have a great show tomorrow of course and uh, tomorrow we have Neil Asbury on the show for the Asbury report yep. uh, which is uh, international trade which by the way is sponsored by the Port of Miami and Seaboard Marine, um, both out of the Dade, Miami-Dade County. Thank you. Uh, and uh, then we have... Uh, Nubilina? Nubi? Yeah, Nubi's going to be on the show. Nubi Elena is going to be on the show. And uh, TJ English, author. And TJ English is going to be on the show. Now, TJ, now, Nubi's going to talk about uh, the Doral and Doral Business Council, which i got to tell you is really exciting, because if you haven't been out to Doral... It has exploded in the last five years. So Not we'll, just golf anymore. No, God, no. It is, it's, a, it's, a, it's just wild. And then, um, and then TJ English uh, is going to be talking about um, Cuba. Havana, Cuba, 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 just up to the revolution, up to uh, Castro's revolution, I should yes. say, in 1960. And we're talking about the mob. So we're talking about the Godfather tomorrow. Mm. So this is, I want everyone coming in tomorrow and listening to this, because this is going to be a terrific show. Stories within stories. We've got all these outtakes from the Godfather. We're going to find out. Give it all away? Well, like, I want them to understand. Okay. You know, right, there's, go there's going to be a test on this eventually. In fact, Belinda will, will make sure we go to Kaiser and take that test. Well, I'm not going. We'll get some credit for it. But no, it's a great show. It can be a lot of excitement, and we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit more about what the, some of the things that are happening out there. But we don't have a lot of time tomorrow to uh, meander, so to speak. Rant, uh, you mean? Rant, and I am going to the <laughs> orthopedic surgeon tomorrow morning at nine o'clock to find out whether I can use my arm, or I have to do surgery, which I know I'm going to have to do. So you should uh, be worried that you're not going to make it back here in time, or should I? No, 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 no. That's it's nine in the morning. That's if I was going to do it at one fifteen, where I thought I was, and that's okay. not going to work. I don't want to have to. No, 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 no. Okay. But anyway, so listen. So thanks a lot for being uh, with us today. I want to thank Wanda for um, propping me and being here and doing the great job that she does. I want to thank all our guests who came on the show today. And don't forget, you can catch us at uh, therichrothmanshow.com. You can catch us at iTunes. You can go to our website and click on iTunes for the podcast if you missed it. You can also go all the archives. Every show that we've had, you can you can you can catch on our website. Uh, and I also want you to go to the website and, and answer the question whether you believe in, we should have oil drilling off the coast of Florida. Yeah. And we'll give you the results for that tomorrow. And, of course, you can go to 1360WKAT.com, and, uh, and you can also listen to the show there. But, um, so we'll have a lot of fun. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay. Have a great evening. Bye. Bye-bye. Back tomorrow for more of the good. How you doing? The bad. Peace be with you. The business. Great cheapest. This is the Rich Rothman Show on 1360 WKAT.